0: In this episode of Clinically Press, we feature John Hines of Monkey Bar Gym in Madison, Wisconsin. We talk everything from more natural training to the invention of the beaded jump rope, to how he has gone and pioneered uh, in his form of fitness, and why he thinks it is the way to go and why it can be not only better for your body, but also completely functional and transition to sports and athletics. We hope you enjoy this episode and check out more on ClinicallyPress.com.
1: Well, uh, welcome to this next episode of Clinically Pressed. Today we're here at Monkey Bar Gymnasium with John Hines, uh, owner and founder of uh, the location here, and uh, there's, what you said, now 12 locations yeah. throughout the country.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so we kind of read up a little bit on your bio, and quite extensive, very interesting, and I know I've got plenty of questions, and I think these guys both do too, so. Cool, um, cool. Why don't we just start off, if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and your story. Sure. and how you came to get here.
2: Uh, yeah I, I literally got started in training when I was about five or six. But my dad invented the beta jump rope and program yeah. and so I started doing that when I was around six and uh, soon after that he invented using tubing for working out and uh, so I started applying that and the cool thing was when I was little he because using tubing Back in the day, nobody did it. Only athletes saw the application of it because he saw Russian guys doing it for sprint training, for over and under speed training. And so he thought, why not shorten the cable up and use it for curls and presses and squats and things like that. And uh, so he made it into what he called a deluxe portable gym. And yet, still, uh, American Olympic athletes, NBA players, NFL players, still used it, like Walter Payton used it to do a full body workout and resisted running. Eric Heiden, who is a multiple multi-gold medalist in speed skating, used it to do resisted skating movements. Uh, the Buffalo Braves, who then became, I think the Kansas City Kings, then became the Sacramento Kings. This is how old this is. <laughs> uh, they used his jump ropes and, and some of his cable stuff. and so. When I was real little, I would get to see these guys using this equipment. And since I was a basketball junkie, I, I was always interested in how to improve my basketball. And so I saw the basketball players i so well, how long would they jump rope, Dad? And then how would Eric Hyden strap cables to them and elicit a response that would make them jump higher and run faster and things like that? And so when I was real little, I started applying those simple things. and. Uh, it started to work really well, and especially when I got into college. Um, I was very small, and uh, it, it really, the way I applied it worked incredibly well. I went from uh, about a 25 inch vertical up to about 47 inches in about a year and a half. And I touched, see that mark up there, 11-8? That's where I hit my hand. That was the highest point I touched on a vertical. Wow. And I could. Do just about any dunk you could think of. And I believe uh, it. Yeah. It was all very simple. And I know you guys were stressing that beforehand about simplicity and going towards that over complex. And one of the things I've always looked at is I always try and make things simple and strong. That's been sort of like my motto my whole life. I always look to nature and mimic them. So it's play the way and train the way that you want to move on the field add light resistance to that, mimic that and make your skill better. And so that's what I did with jumping. I mean I what I did for jump training is completely opposite of somebody who is schooled in Olympic training and and traditional lifting, how they would do jump training. A lot of O lifts, a lot of heavy squatting, stuff like that. And I never had to do that stuff and neither did my athletes and yet all my athletes improved verticals like eight to nine inches in 10 to 12 weeks. And that's from technique plus some load. And uh, And it's always worked. And then I thought if it works for that, why couldn't that work for training real athletes? And that's when I moved out to LA and I was fortunate to, to get a job with the LA Clippers as a strength coach and I got to meet, and train so many NBA All-Stars and Major League Baseball All-Stars and NFL All-Pros and I got to and celebrities. I got to meet and train a ton of them. And uh, I've been very fortunate in that. I mean, maybe it's because I'm skilled at stuff <laughs> and it worked, but it, that was really fun to go out there. And then after a while of being out there, I just saw that, oh, fitness world, there was a big facade You know, it was all about aesthetics, not about performance. Uh, It was all about isolation, not about function. And uh, so I moved, I said, I'm done. I I, I want to invent some of these things. And so I moved back here to invent, like, the power wheel and the power jumper that helped me jump so high and a lot of other tools. And in that process, I thought, I might as well open a gym that trains this way, because there is none. This was in 2000. There wasn't any CrossFits yet, there wasn't any, anything yet. And this is the first place in the United States that has no machines, no mirrors, no shoes, generally. Uh, we've always been minimal, I've gone minimal since 97, shoes-wise or barefoot, mm-hmm. and uh, it's always been that way. Really low-key, the gym though, I never marketed, and mm. it's always, it's been very fun. Interesting journey, I mean, I've been a strength coach 36 years. Well,
1: so what do you miss about uh, treating the athletes, or uh, what do you like about not treating the athletes and in, 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 in this place now? I, mean, I still work with, I work
2: with high school ball players during the off season, so that's cool. I enjoy that a lot. The big difference is, is something you guys could probably relate to, is when you're training a regular Joe, some of them have that fire but most people don't have that fire that, like, if I said, bust through that wall, and a person, and this is what we've broken it down to, and this would be interesting to hear what you guys think about it is, if I said, go run through that wall, somebody who's been in a fight, had really a tough life growing up, or played sports, and then has been pushed to the point where somebody whooped your ass, and then you got back up, they'd bust through the wall. Then tradi- like non-people that haven't done that, who want to get in shape, they generally want to work out. And they don't want to train. And there's a huge difference in the two. We sure. train here. Our objective is improve the way that you move. And along that path, you'll improve your performance. As well, byproduct, you're gonna look better. But working out is having like the clients and working out and. And feeling almost subservient to their demands and stuff like that. That doesn't happen here. And that mentality, I find, is nauseating. It's weak. And I don't like supporting that by trying to, like, oh, well, if you know, I want to take it super easy on you and not do anything that ever challenges you. I, I find that uh, is uninspiring. And it, it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve them, the people that are training so, the question that you were asking about how is the difference, the difference is almost all people that are at that super high level have that desire to go through the wall for you. The problem is when you catch them too late, when they've been given the golden spoon and they're are spoon-fed too long, that they they literally think their stuff don't stink, then they won't go through the wall, they'll have their, their subservient person run through a wall for them. <laughs> and, their, I their for mindset, and their mindset <clears throat> is entitlement. And, and that's frustrating as yeah. well. So if you get them in high school or, or college guys that, what I found, the guys that I loved training in the pros, the ones that are on the bubble of making the team or not making the team. Or you get these vets that have been there and they know I have to train. The ones that are player of the years, I've trained a bunch of those in college, and then they are first round draft picks. A lot of those guys think, I don't need to train. I don't need to do anything. And they have the short careers. And then they end up going overseas and playing. And then they're done after two or three years, and they have everything handed to them. So there, there's, a, there's a big difference in, in the mindset of pro athletes, generally. You get those first round guys that go soft, I think because they've been entitled so long because they've been gifted and uh, then you have generally people in the fitness world who want to work out especially nowadays where almost every everybody in every workout they want to make it metabolic and they think that's what training is and their mindset is like a microwave mindset it's all about get that burn get that sweat because I want to get in shape today and they're it's just like dieting and that's what i we actually i actually coined this a while ago it's like fitness diets that they, they want to do oh insanity this week p90x next week crossfit next week show super ab core workout next week you know or the week after and it's i find it's, it's a lot of bs because it's all short-term fixes for a long-term solution and it's a huge chasm of difference between getting in amazing shape and staying there and evolving your shape over a long time and a lot of people it's just then it's the other group is just like diets they get a quick result and it leaves quick result and it leaves and it's then they're always looking for make a workout more fun make it more this or that so i'll enjoy it more and i'm like no keep your numbers work on improving your numbers so you enjoy it more that's what athletes do and so that's the culture that we try and train here it's it that is a it's a challenge ongoing all the time, Sure. So when you say numbers, I know
1: you uh, on your website it talks about testing these metrics. What metrics do you use in the gym?
2: We do. I mean, we do body fat. I like because it's such a good thing. I think for people just to know where they stand. We do strength and conditioning tests for all our members. Uh, that has some strength components mixed with some conditioning components. A very simple workout. And then we have something called a monkey bar club that we just started doing, which is really, really fun. It's your deadlift, your dip, and your chin-up totaled. And it includes your body weight for your dips and your chin-up. So if a guy weighs 200 pounds, if he deadlifts 400, he does a dip with an extra 100, so now, and he does a chin-up with an extra 100, so that's 300, 300, 400, you got a 1,000 total and then you divide it by your weight that gives you a score of a five and that's okay. all we try and work people on try and work their metrics up like that sure and we put it up like just put that sign up okay. a week ago and everybody and we got to make another sign up already because everybody's filled their names up because they're so excited by these little metrics yeah and so they have a like a gpa okay, <laughs> sure. yeah and it doesn't say you know like kyle's broke all the records or carol's number is this it just says what your score is sure and which is cool i think that's a really cool way to do it and and it's inspiring for everybody to try and up their score over time
0: that's when i was like like kelly star at the mobility wads the leopard guy he was like it's not a question of like are you a world champion not at all is it are you the best version of yourself yes so you're not grading against everybody else you're grading against yourself Exactly. To give yourself something to go, because that's in the end of it, that's what really matters. Like, that's great, you could be the best in the world, but that's not. still might not be the best you.
2: Exactly. I'm kind of curious the what my number would compete. be now. We might have to do that when yeah. we get back. And you said and it. it's fun. It's really simple. Yeah, and,
0: no, really easy.
2: And it gives, and we put it out over months so you can see your progression. And people dig it a lot already. It's really fun to see where you're at. And I, know I can see this guy right now, he's adding his numbers up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: trying to think of how much I could do with a dip. The dip and the chin-up, I have no other like, I've never I mean, tried to be less I mean, maxed out on a yeah. dip before.
2: It's interesting. Just when you huh. start to do that, I, I haven't is. done it in years. Yeah. I, and Just to see how much weight you can add to a dip. Right. And then you chin-up, and then deadlift's an the easy one to do. So. For sure. So do you have plates for the deadlift, or what well, do you use for the equipment on that? Well, that's an interesting um, thing, too. I've always tried to go on... I, I, if something's functional, I'll use it. And uh, when I first opened, I didn't have any weights except it. like near your foot, Kyle, there's a 30-pound D-ball. That was my only weight in the gym. Wow. And we were putting up really impressive numbers of myself and all my trainers and my, my students in classes getting extremely strong. But when kettlebells came out in 2001, uh, I, I thought that's a functional tool. I'll learn them and I'll use them. And then we got certified in 2002. And I see, you know, in CrossFits and other people are using Olympic weights. And I look at it like, because I grew up in a, in a world of everything portable, everything I can do indoors, I can do outdoors. And so when that decision, I started to think about kettlebells are a great tool, hard to deadlift. So, how do I max deadlift? I mean, at one point I was putting six bells in my, in my hands, three in each hand, which completely rounds your back and it's really, really difficult. Yeah. So, so then I just went to the hardware store and I got a piece of pipe mm. and I put it Love through it. With some bells and it works great. Um, <laughs> we're, we got like Son, he's gone up over 100 pounds just doing a simple and strong program we have. Mikel has gone up almost 100 pounds in her deadlift. I've gotten way up over 100 pounds. Um, I'm almost at 500 right now, I'm like 13 pounds away. And it's it's nice to, because it, it's more unstable than Olympic plates and stuff like that. And uh, you gotta constantly make sure they feel even, because it's not even. If you grab it slightly off, the bells might be rotated. and So it's much more challenging, I think, than that. And when you go to the Olympic bar, it's easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah.
0: Throw a clip on there and it doesn't move anywhere. Yeah.
2: That's true. Yeah. So, I, I'm not sure, Oh, that's why we don't use Olympic bars and that's why we use the bells and that's why we can now, we can go have your deadlifts as well and the yeah. students like that combination as well and we can do that outside as well. Nice. There you go. Perfect.
0: I yeah. oh, okay. So do you have like set classes then, everyone works out in groups or do you have
2: individuals that come in? We whenever? have, 98% of our members go to the classes. We have the same class seven times a day. And uh, we have our strength classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Our conditioning classes Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Uh, we do what's called undulating periodization. Do you know you where know, that? Yep. Okay. So, um, been doing that for a long time. I, I think it's nice as a way to get people adapted to it. Uh, doing a periodization program for regular joes is unrealistic, I find. And uh, for my athletes, you can do it, but not for fitness people because they they're all over the place. So. I find if we do something that's pure strength, one that's pure power, one that's metabolic, one that's, you know, sort of more strength endurance workouts each week, you know, alternating those like that, it works really great. Uh, we do eight workouts, four of each, and then we overlay them three times over the month. Next month, brand new eight. And so that way all the members get ownership of the movements. Uh, they get they repeat them enough so that they feel confident with them and uh, then also Because they don't come up on the same day of the week they offset So a person that can only come in certain days a week they'll still get all the different workouts each week and uh, Four times a week is too much or four times doing a workout members don't like that at all. They really Didn't like it twice a month. It's, it's too little for them to get ownership of it. So. This works really great for us, and we've been doing this for many years.
0: So, are there different coaches that do different kind of programs, or is everyone kind of following that same track, just a different coach running each? Well, I
2: class. lay the workout, the program out, and then we have all the trainers, coaches teaching all those different classes each day, following that workout, and. Uh, we all meet and go through all the workouts, so they're aware how to do them, how to challenge people to progress them and stuff like that over the course of the month. We have our log books over there, so most all of our students, they keep track of their workouts and work to improve and they're taught how to do all that stuff, but coach, all of our instructors and coaches, they do also know how to modify. So if you got knee issues, you're not doing squats today, you can maybe do some form a deadlift today, or maybe we'll have you do some form of a supine leg curl. We're using the jungle gym, you know, or or the power wheel, you know, tools that I invented a long time ago to help them open their hips up and lighten the pain they might have in their knees or something like that. So they all are very aware of how to make modifications to every single workout. And that's one thing I think most trainers don't know how to do very well is modify workouts so that person still gets benefit, but doesn't aggravate. And all of our trainers, because the foundation of this place is yoga and strength training mixed together, so that all the trainers have a very high knowledge base on how to align the body. And that's key. So as far as doing therapy on the body, all of our trainers can do that. They're not just the strength coaches, which which I think is really prevalent across the world. They also are alignment therapists. And we, we've we done, since I opened Aishin's Yoga, which I can tell you guys about if you want, how I got into it uh, 18 years ago. And we then integrated into what we call a base class now, which is Aishin's Yoga mixed with some other moves like Brachiation other type movement patterns put together in a manner that really opens the body up. It's more athletic minded in its purpose and people really love it that they just don't have the patience to do a yoga class. We'll do this. So it's more
1: movement. That would be more. Yeah.
2: Well, it's, it's, it's a faster pace. Okay. You still get the feedback. That's a unique thing about Ashtanga Yoga is that it literally gives hands-on feedback. And Iyengar Yoga is the only one that actually does that. Uh, most all yogas do static stretching. And Iyengar and Ashtanga are the only one that only do, and I only do, active. We don't do anything static. And there's a huge difference in that.
0: No, no
2: animal on the planet static stretches except humans. That's very <laughs> strange. Uh, so we don't follow that pattern. So Ayesha's yoga, mixed with some things like brachiation, which no yoga does, which is one of the most important things for all of us to do, that hardly anybody does, and a couple other movement patterns done in a paced, certain paced manner, repeated, over anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes, and they're done. And they walk out feeling lighter, more balanced, and amazing. So you'll pair the yoga with the
1: workout that day, or is the day no. just yoga only? Or?
2: It, it's, it is a mix of Aishin's yoga poses with some mobility movements that we cue with Aishin's yoga activations. And they, they um, can support the class workout. They don't have to. For example, let's say you're an athlete, high level, you're older and injured you're just overweight okay maybe these two guys they're not de- doing the workout class at all and that's a majority of people nowadays um, the workout programs for most people its going more metabolic overall But you guys are really <coughs> aware of that but yet how many the age average age is much higher so do older people really need to do metabolic workouts no Stress is going up higher. Stress and a metabolic workout that just raises stress even more. Sure. So I think it's a it's not the most sensible thing for somebody that's overweight or injured and maybe older, you know, for them to do. Base gives them a literal base of alignment and stability and strength. So that now you can have a foundation that yeah, after doing it for a while. You're gonna be much more well aligned, you're gonna be pain free, you're gonna start to get in shape, and now if you wanna train, you can. And I think it's missing because most people today, their offerings are isolated training, or if they go to a gym that does four functional training, it's all about metabolic and crushing. And people are overstressed today, they're getting older, and they're overweight and injured, and those fitness diets, they don't last and they injure a lot of people. And so I've been doing this for a long time and I find there's a huge need for a class like this that isn't yoga because if you're a straight up athlete, you're about training and it's, for most athletes, they don't have the patience for it. Especially young guys like yourselves, it's hard to be patient enough to sit in an hour long yoga class where you sit in a pose for minutes (laughs) and stay focused, you know? So, I thought there was a huge need for this class, and it, it works great. Sounds it's like a great
0: interest. Yeah. I can't hold poses for minutes because things start tingling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got some, I got some of my own restrictions to work on. Everybody so. does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <And> I've <laughs> got probably more than a couple. But So, you mentioned earlier how you kind of have a big issue with the way things are going within the industry with you know, training in isolation or machine based. So, what different kinds of movements and equipment do you guys utilize with your work? At I mean, just looking around, it looks like you could do a little bit of anything and everything in here.
2: Yeah, so. I original concept. This is the same as my original concept. I wanted bars. I want traveling rings. I want you know cables off the wall. Those cables there assist with push-ups, handstand push-ups, uh, doing roll-outs, the power wheel over there, something I invented almost 20 years ago. That I, I tried to make it so that there is a, a push, a, a climbing a crawling, a running, a jumping, a reacting type skill that we train in almost every class, that all, that all levels can do it, whether you're a beginner, which we call stability level, intermediate, which we call strength, or advanced, which we call power. So that when e- within each class, you're gonna work those type of skills done in a manner, so like crawling, it might be push-ups, it might be hands down walking, it might be military presses with kettlebells, Okay, and then there's a climbing, might be row climb, might be at bars, might be do traveling rings. It might do renegade rows. Okay, there's all those skills trained in it for all three levels of people, and that's been since day one. I've been training this way for, for since, since as long as I started training. I, I, I did the isolated training a little bit in college, my performances on everything went down. As soon as I went back to this type of training, that's where I might jump way back up and so did everything else and so this is what I did with all my NBA players and they did amazing and I thought that nobody was doing in the United States when I opened I thought there needed to be a place that did this Uh, it's it's challenged to get people to buy in because they look in there and there's no machines (laughs) that was a huge challenge I I can believe that but uh, teaching them mechanics of running jumping rope and doing things like that has worked and a lot of other people have done similar gyms and all over the world now. And so I feel like I've been, I been—I—I am a uh, leader in the fitness world as far as uh, having facilities like this and inventions and stuff like that for sure. I've never seen anything yeah. like this yeah. before. Yeah.
0: I mean, definitely ahead of the trends a little bit if you've been going at it this long.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've been, yeah, this was the first place before CrossFits. I was doing this for years before that.
0: Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions as we got into it. Like your thoughts on CrossFit and just in general, and then kind of secondary to that, I don't know if you've, there's a guy that I just happened to find on Facebook, this functional patterns. Uh oh, yeah. Naughty Aguilar or something I like that. Can't something all like that. Just,
2: okay, I, I don't know,
0: just general thoughts on, I mean, he is completely against everything CrossFit, anything with a bar, you know, it's all functional and yeah. moving and working in the rotary you know, planes and everything. So I, anything that you care to elaborate on, yeah, all of that can I just threw at you. A <laughs> yeah. so, um,
2: there's a huge difference between us and CrossFit and just yeah. the mindset here is it's really about simple, strong. It's really about meeting people where they're at and challenge them accordingly. Yep. I feel CrossFit is much about metabolic. It's much about the appearance, the, the significance of your number, your name, on, on a board and one I'm of the things that we really stress is we really stress get your form right get your alignment right and at the at the expense of not being on the board you know or something like that right uh, Not a fan at all about doing stuff like that because I feel like people will in workouts, they will cheat in order to have significance of a board over training not for a board, but for performance. Yep. And that's a huge difference in the two for sure. types of gyms. They're, they eat whatever meat-based diet is popular. They always have zone, paleo, you know, barbecue rib diet, whatever <laughs> you know is, is popular for that, they, they've been on that. And they've been in, on the paleo realm for a while We've never strayed. Always been plant-based, since day one. Why? It's not a diet. is a diet. Zone's a diet. Uh, South Beach, diet. Huge issue with diets. Diets are quackery, yep. okay? And I don't agree with anything that's quackery. If it doesn't work, get rid of it, you know? And if it's a short-term solution, get rid of it. It, it has to be a short and a long-term solution. So, training for ego to have significance on a board, which I find is, is bullshit. It, it's a short-term solution all about getting, giving somebody their ego boost and stuff like that, which is completely whack, I think, and it's not performance-based. You know, uh, it, it, it does serve them a little bit, right. but uh, generally, I, I don't agree with it. And what we do is plant-based is short and long-term. Training over working out yep. is short and long-term. Alignment, active alignment that we do, they do static stretching, and it's con- completely different, okay? One is unnatural, theirs. One is completely natural, ours. And so those and the mindset and the consciousness of, of helping one another is, is how we've started since day one. I know they have a strong community. Mm-hmm. Since day one, if you look at our logo, or is it?
0: Yep, okay. yep.
2: It's two people working together. It's uh, always been that. It's always about that. People helping people, helping planet. I have always been since day one about how can I make the biggest impact on people and planet? If I teach them how to help one another in their training, in their, in their alignment training as well, and if I, can, if I teach them how to eat in a way that is local, organic, and reduces the consumption of animal products, I'm doing the world a common good, right? And if I can teach you how to do it and you help other people, then we are making a big change on the planet. And that was my whole mission from day one. And so I feel those are completely different. Eating paleo, eating tons of animal products like that, I I don't feel like that serves the planet very well. You know, it it could make a more positive impact. Do people eat healthier? Yeah, you know, they do. Uh, but I, I feel because it, you can't eat this and you can't eat that, it's quackery and it's short term. So I
1: would agree with that on the diet part. So, so how do you get some of your uh, protein then? What are your your sources for protein? Okay,
2: so I'm gonna assume then you think plant based is vegan.
1: I do not assume that
0: actually.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, expanding plant, just on plant based stuff well, is. If you did, I'm not. I'm not trying to give you a punch in the gut or anything like that. Most people do. Most people think plant-based, plant strong is vegan. I just lectured at a Whole Foods and there's about 100 people there and I said, raise your hand if you think plant-based is is vegan. Everybody in class, including the two people that brought me there to lecture, (laughs) raised their hand. I said, not true. Plant-based is 80 to 90% plants. I get my protein from plants, one, but it's also, if I said you can't have animal products, is that a diet then in crackery?
0: Well, it's easy. It's a You're diet saying for that something. you can't. It is. Yeah, it pretty pretty is crackery. You just said, Veganism
2: yeah. is crackery. Vegetarianism is crackery. Paleo, crackery. Anything that says you cannot have is crackery. That means if, if I say you can never drink or have this again, who's going to want to have that? sometime maybe. You know, if I was to I tell I'm you that and your favorite that, right? thing is like beer and and, and I said well, you can never have it again because that's uh, not the beer diet, you know, whatever that we're going on and you'd always be thinking, oh, I should go, for, should go for a cold beer right now maybe and why why do we have to say that to people? I think that's a great way to get people to not follow things. So by opening it up and plant-based is, you can eat ice cream, you can eat chicken, Fish, whatever you want. The, the ideal, eat mostly plants, whole food plants. So like, for example, uh, if I want eggs, scrambled eggs, I have eggs. You know, I have a bunch of veggies, some wild rice and eggs maybe for breakfast, okay? If I want to go to my mom's house for Thanksgiving and she has turkey, I'll have turkey. You know, I don't want to trip over it. You know, for many years, I was a 100% plant-based and I would even say I'm vegan you know and I was even talking oh you gotta stay this way and that and then my wife was just like she stopped saying a long time ago, and I stopped saying vegan a while ago because the first question that I was always getting how long have you been vegan John oh I've been vegan 14 years oh I've been vegan 20 and it's just like "Who, who cares who cares are you happy are you healthy You know, and it just got to a, um, I was like, there's more judgmentalism from vegans I I was feeling than not, you know, and and I was just like, and if I'm promoting plant-based, which is what the China study from my good friend Colin Campbell wrote it, and that's what we've been promoting since day one, it's not veganism, it's mostly plants. You know but if you let's say if you josh right joel joel sorry joel you're good <laughs> um, so joel let's say you eat 60 percent plant-based and you eat 40 percent animal or processed foods and for breakfast you always had your milk-based cow milk-based shape every day and i said well could you go to almond milk or coconut mm-hmm. milk yeah Okay, great, that's an upgrade. Is it, is it a live with? Yeah, it's a live with. Great, just do that then. Because what I don't want to do is I don't want to have you guys, one, say we're going plant-based and then you guys all go vegan. Okay, and then after a month you're like, oh, I can't do
0: Hated that. Yeah. I can't do
2: that. So then what you end up doing is you knock plant-based. You don't say vegan. You'll, you would normally say, oh, I, don't, I can't eat that way. i got to have my meat. Yep. And then what it does, it does the, the plant-based movement a common bad. And I'm not trying to do that. So I am trying to help as many people as possible. If you eat, you know, and can make a small upgrade on it, maybe go instead of having, you know, some other stuff during the day, you you substitute it with more greens. Or maybe instead of having burgers and fries, you go have a black bean salad or something like that instead, or a black bean burger. And you can live with those. And you know, those are small upgrades. Awesome. Can you can you do that on a regular basis and not have meat three times a day like I did back in the day and I, I, most fitness people do? Mm-hmm. Can you not do that every... Yeah, I can do that. And can you also be strong? Hell yeah. Strong as hell. Okay? It, it, it's a complete misconception that you got to get one gram per pound of body weight. You know, and, and everybody still buys into that. And I, I could not disagree more with that. And so, at 52, I I think I'm a very good example of eating high plant-based diet, uh, still being strong as hell, still being able to dunk a basketball. You know, any physical thing, high level. All the members here, high level. Okay, it works, but it doesn't give you those negative side effects. Negative side effects of A diet that's over 10% animal and processed foods is what leads to the five major causes of death and disease. Okay? It's, and and Colin Campbell went around the world initially to find support for drinking milk, to support people that were sickly and stuff, Mm -hmm. and he ended up finding, he grew up on a dairy farm, and he ended up finding that the places that he went to that thought it would be healthy, were not healthy, and that they had the most disease. And places like the Netherlands at high consumption of milk, high amount of arthritis, heart disease, stroke, cancer, diabetes. Um, U.S., high amount. Germany, high amount. Well, let me go check these rural, rural places out that don't consume milk and high amounts of animal products. Almost none of that. Mm-hmm. So that's where he started finding that that's why these people are extremely healthy. But can there be a balance? Hell yeah. Can you maybe go from 60 to 70 percent? Does that do you and the world a common good? Hell yeah. And then you also, if it's not overwhelming for you, you can stick with it for long term. It's not crackery. And then uh, you know, you're know you gonna get healthier by consuming more foods that have higher nutrients in them.
0: For sure. So. Well, in somewhat of the interest of time, I know you said you had a class coming in
2: yeah, do you right. want to
0: roll through our kind of final three or four questions sure, and sure. kind of wrap sure, everything sure, up sure. so we can get you back sure. to everything? So, um, the first one and we kind of touched on some of this, but if you could pin it down to one is what would it be something that you believe that others would not? <laughs> I, I think the that. gym is kind of a full on <laughs> exception yeah. to yeah. showing all that, but um, if no, there's one just a way thing. of thinking that may go against the grain, I guess a little bit. Yeah.
2: God, I have a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> to the grain. Well, uh, maybe pick a
0: couple favorites yeah. then, and we can kind of wrap that and put that into it.
2: Uh, follow nature. Uh, mankind is extremely screwed up because we follow what the guy before us did. And I, like I think we guess a lot, and, and we blindly follow those in front of us. As a strength coach, like I said earlier to you guys, I didn't follow that. I took my vertical, I almost doubled my vertical jump. Who, or what white dude in the country that's six one and a half hits his head on the rim? <laughs> not
0: many, that's ha- not and didn't
2: have. a didn't have a crazy vertical to begin with. Yeah. You don't see it a lot. That all came about from jumping with cable resistance. Okay, that's one thing. I also didn't listen to the static stretching. I never liked that. It, it just didn't feel natural. So I looked to animals again. I looked to animals for jumping and running. How do they get faster? They run, they chase each other. So I did the same. I ran and I jumped. How do animals stretch? They do yoga. Every time they wake up, they do up, down, dog, down, dog, and then they do that leg kick thing. Okay? <laughs> Eating foods. In Just picturing food. my dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, what I do like yeah. with yeah. their legs. Yeah. That's
0: very shake it out through yeah. the tail,
2: yeah. And then there, and then when it comes to how you eat, I eat like primates eat. And it's plant based. It's not a diet. You know, say a grill, you can't have bananas. They eat, they eat fruits and vegetables. They eat, you know, some bugs occasionally. Yeah. Chimpanzees kill and eat other chimps and stuff and other animals occasionally, but. Primates all are from 93 to 97% plant-based. That's how I eat, you know. I occasionally have some Mm -hmm. eggs, occasionally have some fish. Okay, mostly it's all plants. I did not follow what others did. Why is that? Uh, And this is a big point. I experienced everything myself firsthand as to be a great trainer. Yeah. I, I, I read books, but I also, I didn't speak it unless I did it. Right. So I got the knowledge and I applied it to myself so I had the wisdom. And I think too many people today blindly follow and they don't see for themselves what what it would be like if they ate this way, if they did only active movement, if they did just full body movements and completely drop all the isolation stuff. So all of those, I followed nature. I think like nature's that. been doing it so beautifully and balanced forever and i think we are completely detached where they're completely connected mm-hmm. to each other and the planet and i think that's what we're missing and that's why so many things that i i preach here and i talk about it is nature related and planet related i think this is a mark twain code it's
0: like quote: whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority you're on the wrong side yeah. So blindly following yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah, I'm good for one of those every yeah, once yeah. in a while. Good, good. Nice photograph. job. Um, most influential, and we use the term fitness loosely, but purchased for around or a hundred bucks, give or take.
2: Oh, you got? Did you get this from Tim Ferriss?
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. That's where I got it
2: from. Something that I purchased, or, or that you, or that you would recommend, recommend. that
0: could help. Somebody. Oh,
2: my Power Wheel. Oh. A power it is uh I, it, I i know i'm sort of tooting it because I invented it but uh it still humbles everybody it still humbles me it's it's extremely uh powerful tool that does engages your entire body it's the number one core training tool it uh can be a full body training tool and it's extremely simple but yet Extremely uh, painful, sometimes. <laughs> I've, had, I've had uh, strength coaches from many NCAA championship football teams tell me uh, how many of their players hate me and curse me <laughs> because of that simple tool. Everybody's got to be known for something. Yeah. yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and then
0: our last one is: you know, what information would you tell yourself either in your training or your education? If you could go back, you know, 10, 20 years, and maybe kind of place where you were at at the time,
2: stay focused on being true to yourself. Uh, sometimes in life, I have found that in an effort to be politically correct, I don't act or say. I know I, you guys are like, really, because uh, <laughs> I, I I'm much more free with my voice For sure. and my actions. But the times where I feel unbalanced and frustrated, I don't speak and I don't act my the way that speaks true to my heart. I feel like I am a uh, I feel like I'm a silverback gorilla. I feel like I am a strong lion, an alpha male. Uh, you know, I feel powerful like that. But many times, I think one of the things that we do is we discredit ourselves and we try to we try to you know, make everybody else happy. And the more that you do that, the more you, you sell your soul and you're inauthentic to yourself and then everybody around you. And so the moments in my life and relationships and stuff like that, that I found that I was, maybe got depressed or, or bummed out or something like that, as I found that I was not being authentic with myself and others. And that's one thing I always try to strive to be true and honest. If it makes other people feel bad sometimes, right. I don't intend to ever make people feel bad, but at least they know where I'm standing. For sure. And I try to do myself and people around me and the world a common good. And I feel that being honest and truthful is the best way to do that. So Awesome.
1: Perfect.
0: Good. Sounds good. good. I guess, yeah, that, right. just kind of in closing, where can people find
2: you, find stuff about Monkey Bar Show? Sure. MonkeyBarGym.com. It's pretty and, simple. Uh, pretty easy, yeah. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Yeah, really no, to thank to you. Anytime we're episode. coming back
0: down to do another one, if yeah, we can sure. find a little extra time. You know, we can scratch the surface on some of the stuff I think yeah, we could be, get into. It would be fun to hop in and even do like a workout or something. Yeah, yeah that's for you insane. guys if you
2: want to train. Yeah, you got to go. That's yeah, right. well, yeah, yeah, we're, we're on a the time cross today. But today's a fun workout. We're doing my old one. We haven't done split jerks in a long time with the bells, and It's a very simple power workout. Just split jerks and then... Full power wheel rollouts using the BXT. That's it. That sounds brutal. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. We'll take a rain check on that. Yeah. I think. So <laughs> go back and train for a couple here, of days. But here, do this ago. for me. Do this for me. See where. Take a picture of that, and see where how you guys do on the Monkey Bar Club.
0: Yep, we will right. definitely do that. we yeah, get be back. Fun. I don't yeah. think we have enough kettlebells to do it. We'll have to do it. You can Olympic. use traditional. Yeah, yeah we'll go bar. traditional on that one. That's cool. One, yeah. I think we got something to do next week. I'm yeah, yeah. sure. That'd yeah. be fun. Awesome. How you guys that'll do, do Cool, cool. cool. All Thank right. you. Well, Thank well, you. Appreciate Thank your time. it. Thanks, Talk guys. That was fun. John, appreciate it. Thank it's you. Nice to meet you.
2: Yeah, nice to meet y'all.